In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a live stream edition of In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy podcast. You know that during these strange times, we are doing strange things like live streaming podcasts, but I think it's probably one of the best things we can actually do. And today is, I, I'm not going to lie, one of my best guests because I've been listening to him play guitar for years. I've been trying to uh, pick up licks, songs, uh, ideas, everything from this man since uh, since way back, and he knows how much I look up to him, and I'm so happy that he came on to In the Trenches uh, with Ryan Roxy today. Uh, this is actually, I would say, gold medal winner of being in the trenches, because once I go through a little bit of the history um, of him, you're going to understand that he has played on so many more records than... Um, I even imagined before I went down that rabbit hole of checking him out. So I'm, I'm glad we've been friends for years, but I'm really happy now to introduce him as a special guest on the podcast. Would you please welcome Mr. Steve Stevens? Hey. Ryan Roxy. What's happening, my friend? How you doing? <laughs> um, um, you know, under yeah. the circumstances, doing all right. It's doing a loaded right. question these days. I mean, <laughs> everybody is basically, everybody, everybody's hunkered down. And we were talking yeah. about this, you know, right before we went live. Um, how are you spending the time? What are you doing these days now that everybody's, I mean, didn't you just this morning have some sort of order where you're, you're just stuck indoors, right? Uh, yeah, we're, we're, you know, we finished uh, our, our Vegas residency on Saturday uh, with Idol. And then we came home Saturday evening. And since then, we've been you know, locked away here. And, uh, and then the governor announced last night that uh, nobody goes in or out, basically, other than groceries or, you know, fundamental stuff like that. So uh, here we are. But, you know, I mean, I, I, as, as most of us musicians know, we're used to periods of time when you have to write for a record or you're recording where this is basically what it's like. Oh, I've always said that guitar, as being a guitar player and trying to be a guitar player in the rock and roll business, there's always a financial crisis. There's always and, some sort of crisis. Yeah, and even as a kid, to, to, to get proficient on your instrument, you become a social hermit anyway to practice and listen to your records and, you know, for hours on end. So this has been, we've been training for this, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I put that in our uh, Alice Cooper band chat the other day. I said, uh, Hey, we strum instruments for a living. We're survivors. We'll get through this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but that being said, I was uh, telling my buds that you were one of the last Mohicans to play a live show uh, because yeah. we, our our tour got postponed um, about a week and a half ago, and then when I called you up to invite you on the show, you said, "Yeah, one of my residencies is uh, is not we're not doing that, but we are doing this one." So I was a little bit surprised, but I was like, yeah. "I'm more curious about how the uh, audience was. Is there this paranoia at a live show, or does everyone just give it up and say, you know what, we're here for the show?" Right. No, the the reaction was was great. Um, obviously, you know, Billy gave a little bit of a, uh, you know, a talk to the audience and told them how appreciative we are. We were that, you know, they showed up and then they came and, uh, well, we didn't, we didn't do meet and greets and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and, but, uh, yeah, literally, you know, finished Saturday and now Vegas is closed down. All, all of our Vegas friends are hunkered away like we are. So. Wow. And um, that's all West coast now because, because, 
honestly, my name's Ryan Roxy. This is Steve Stevens. I think we are practicing social distancing as we are actually the definition of social distancing. We're being social, yeah. but we're very distant. I'm yeah. talking to you. I'm talking to you from uh, Stockholm, Sweden. You're talking to me from Los Angeles, California, and right. uh, and you're originally from Brooklyn, New York. I was born in Brooklyn. I'm a Queens kid, though. Oh, I was, Queens I was, kid. All right. Yeah, yeah. I was born in Brooklyn, and um, we my, my my parents lived in an area called Brownsville, which is where. Uh, Mike Tyson and Riddick Bogue from. So uh, we kind of got out of there. We moved to Far Rockaway when I was about one and a half. Okay. And uh, and I uh, was raised in Far Rockaway. Right, um, on. right yeah, on. Yeah. yeah, I used to, uh, my best buddy, Stefan, um, we used to take the L train all the way out to Canarsie. So I know I know okay. the boroughs. I know the boroughs yeah. pretty well. I know uh, Canarsie. I, or I know Brooklyn. I, I When I first moved to New York with Electric Angels, we lived in Long Island City. And okay. apparently now LIC is unaffordable. You can't even look at it. Unbelievable what's <laughs> happened there. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So you, you, what, what age did you pick up guitar and just start rocking? Um, I, I never intended to be a guitar player. Um, my dad brought home, I remember he paid about $25 for a Burl Ives, <laughs> dating myself here, Burl Ives songbook and guitar. Yeah. And he brought it home for himself and but he, you know, he was a hard working dude. He didn't have time to put in on it. And little by little, it ended up more in my room. And and um, my brother, I have an older brother of five years and a lot of his friends uh, were guitar players. This was like the height of the Dylan, uh, you know, just just beginning with like James Taylor, Joni Mitchell era. And his friends would come over and go, you know, he's making a hell of a noise, but it's in time. <laughs> and, <laughs> And I think to spare to spare my parents from this this racket, uh, they sent me to lessons. And there was a famous uh, protest singer from my neighborhood named Phil Oaks, and Phil's sister was my first guitar teacher. And that was about you know I, I think I was about eight eight years old when I when I got got. I, I know, you know what, when you mentioned Burl Ives, of course, I had the Mel Bay Book of Chords. And mm. um, I think one of the first songs, it wasn't really a Burl Ives song, but it was Down in the Valley. Oh, yeah. We, sure. Yeah. Wasn't that one of the yeah. first songs that we all learned? Everyone always <laughs> wants to say it's smoke on the water. you know. <laughs> and I just now re- recently realized that that was never a power chord riff, right? Uh, right. Yeah. Uh. But yeah, and you were the one, Steve, just I, I know I'm jumping all over from the past to the present, but you taught me the right way to play a whole lot of love. Oh, geez. Yeah. 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 It's funny that, yeah. When you bend that, when you bend that first yeah. note over, of course, I messed yeah. up the first chord, but and, and, and you know where I learned it from was Joe Walsh. So Joe Walsh taught you, you taught me. Not not personally, but there's a great video on YouTube. And Joe Walsh sold Jimmy Page's first Les Paul. Jimmy was on the first Led Zeppelin tour. He's playing a Telecaster. And Joe Walsh says, hey, man, you got to check out this guitar. Jimmy gets it and rest is history. And so in this this video clip, Joe says, let me show you something. (laughs) This is how you play a whole lot of love. And a light bulb went off. I went... 
oh my God, that sounds, now it sounds like all and of I life. learned it off a YouTube video from you. You, you, yeah, were, you well, were explaining it on an interview and then I, you know. It's such a mind, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know that we have a lot of guitar players on there and I know there's going to be some questions that are going to fall through the chat and that's the beauty a little bit of the uh, live stream podcast because usually I have some, uh, pretty much a little script and a set of what I want to do. But at the end of this, if there's some great questions, which there always is, I'd love to okay. maybe have a couple of them pop in if that's all right. Yeah, sure. All right, cool. So, I mean, most people would say they know you uh, as Billy Idol's right-hand man. You are the guitar player for so many years behind so many great songs, so many great albums with Billy Idol. But when I started going down that rabbit hole, I, I started realizing one thing, Steve. You have dealt with some very huge personalities over the year. And that, I, think that's, I think a lot of people don't understand that how important to be a working musician, to be a, a right-hand guy of someone. You, you need to deal with some really big personalities. That's a good way of saying it, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. but like, like, like I go down the list, and I just name a few. It's like from all shapes and sizes, literally. Billy Idol. Michael Jackson, Vince Neil, Sebastian Bach, Adam Bond. I mean, these are, and, and the one thing that I was most amazed to find out, and tell me if this is true or not, there was a, a Japanese artist that was named, is named, uh, I'm, I know I'm going to say it wrong. I'm going to, uh, Kisoruki Humero. Yeah, hum Humero, yeah. Humero. You yeah. made more albums with him or contributed more albums with him than any of the others. Um, is that true? Well, I, yeah, they, I mean, there's a lot of like repackages. I, I essentially did three albums with him. Right. And during the 90s, I was in Japan for three months out of the year with an all Japanese band. So I was the only gaijin. On, <laughs> on, but it was an incredible experience. If, if anyone has ever seen Lost in Translation, that was my life. You were and, Bill Murray. Uh, <laughs> I was I was Bill Murray. I mean, it was incredible. I mean, the, the craziest things would happen. Um, I remember this is before uh, Iron Chef was was seen on uh, on US TV and uh, it was on a cable channel and um, the uh, uh, it was called Kitchen Stadium. And I mentioned to somebody that I knew the show. Well, I eventually ended up on the show in Japan, which was <laughs> Kind of, and I didn't know, you know, we, we went to the show and I thought, I said, oh, I'll be in the audience. Oh, there's no audience. You are on Kitchen Stadium. <laughs> and there's, <laughs> a, the there's a fraction, kind of like uh, on, on, you know, kind of like this podcast, you know, and, you, you know you're, you're the main guy right now, you know? No. It, and, and, and it's like they, they show, they go to me at one point and they say, oh, it's all in Japanese, you know, visiting dignitaries. So that guy says, stand up. And I go. And I look like a deer caught in the headlights. I'm just like, you know, <laughs> this well, is too you, surreal. You were already pretty well known in Japan as uh, not just a solo artist, but you also have been known for years with, with, with Billy Idol. Sure. And uh, I think for me, one of the coolest trios was you, Billy Idol, Keith Forsey behind the desk as right, a producer. Yeah. Now, is that relationship still going strong? Have you guys worked together before or okay. currently? Um, well, Keith is retired down to uh, Mexico. He actually, he and his girlfriend have a hotel down there. Um, 
yeah, Keith has always been really into boats and uh, sailboats and powerboats. And he, he moved down there and is living an incredible life. And I'm very <laughs> jealous right now. <laughs> he, well, maybe he got it right before all of us, right? Before yeah. it all shut down. Getting- but he really, you, you, you're right. Keith was, was really the, the, uh, the, the, other, the other member of the band, really, right from the get-go. And I, I owe so much to Keith because I was really, uh, you know, hadn't really properly recorded in the studio or anything when we did uh, Billy's first album. And, um, and there was a lot of times where I didn't know how to get a guitar sound or something. And, and uh, Keith could easily got a session guy in there to do it. And he was patient with me and said, no, you know, um, you're Billy's guitar player. And this is, we're going to work on this. You certainly hammered out one of the best guitar tones that I've been trying to recreate for so many years. I know you always, uh, have a couple tricks up your sleeve. You were you were one of the first guys that I ever uh, met that had done some echo effects, like special echo effects. There was some ones that were unique just to you. You were one of the first guys I remember, and I don't know if this is a dark thing to bring up or if it's cool, the Roland G700. Remember right, you yeah. Said you yeah. played that? and. Yeah. But all in all, it was like I would all you were the sort of guitar player of my choice because and I say this in interviews always, I, I say you are proficient enough to outshred anybody, but you understand the song first and foremost, and you're obviously rock and roll blues based. And that right. makes for such a good all encompassing guitarist, I think. And you talk about and you concentrate on the parts. The right. parts. Right. You know, uh, yeah, and I think you, you, you like myself, we love a good song. Yep. You know, it's a solo is great, but you know, the power of a good song, uh, and working with you know, obviously, you how, how many years have you been with Alice now? On and off since with Alice, I think since puberty, or at least since, <laughs> at least since the fact that I felt, I mean, I, I, I don't even know, I'm, I'm still going through puberty, I think, at one point, but <laughs> we uh, all are. yeah, it is, we're lucky to do what we get to do, no doubt, but. Yeah, I've been with Alice off and on for over 20 years, and, and yeah. we have that relationship. And, and the, the cool thing for me is I get to play a bunch of different great uh, lineups over the years, whether it's the original lineup or right. all through the years. Now, I'm trying to think, have you and Alice ever recorded together? No, I've only met him once. Um, wow. And yeah. I don't but, know how uh, he let you slip by, because he, he loves... I mean, whenever I talk, whenever I bring Steve Stevens up, he says, yeah, that's my guy. I like that. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, you know, but 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 we probably uh, you're a bit younger than me, but we the great thing about rock. (laughs) Yeah. But the great thing about rock and roll is there's all these records that we can go back on, like 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 walking into a library of sonic, you know, bliss. And I think we probably listen to a lot of the same stuff a lot of the the you know for me it was always uh english rock from 69 to 73 anything in that era whatever it was i was devouring it there was a, a radio show uh on wnew in new york during those years called things from england every friday and literally I would buy everything they played during that show. And it was all, you know, whether it was glam, sweet or slate or that, or, or, or some of the, you know, they premiere their early, you know, whatever Led Zeppelin record was coming out or even some of the cooler progressive rock bands that were happening. I just devoured all of that stuff. And, um, and when it, you know, even though Billy Idol and I grew up, uh, you know, an ocean apart, 
we grew up a lot on the same music, although, you know, punk rock was a, a, a kind of a, a blowback to a lot of excesses of that stuff. But when we started to talk about music, we had the same record collection. I think so Billy Idol's of, attitude and your sort of depth and knowledge of, of rock and roll, classic rock, blended perfectly. Because, I mean, like I said, when you talk about those old albums, you can go back and reference uh, first Billy Idol album, Rebel Yell, of course, uh, Whiplash Smile. All these albums for me were, were great blueprints of how to write great parts for songs. Because I've always said that I'm a, I'm a big parts guy. And and right. if, I, if I could name my top five, I'd say Brian May, probably top yeah. at writing amazing guitar parts and solos yeah, that gen- complement the song. Yeah, yeah, genius. Other guys, though, that might fly under the radar a little bit would be Neil Giraldo from the Pat Benatar Band. <laughs> yeah, great. Just one of those great, great guys, parts, yeah. and Elliot Easton from the Cars. Oh, absolutely. Do, do you have any of those guys that are, are yeah, like that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think the thing is, you know, for, uh, uh, you know, if you if you work with a singer or as as I've had the, the, the fortune to work with many great singers, uh, if you're a fan of them, you want to support what it is they're trying to do. And I remember whenever I'd, you know, go in and do a session or something with somebody, I'd always go, you know, what's the lyric? And they'd be like, well, you're the guitar player. And I go, yeah, but I have to at least know what it is you're trying to convey so I can kind of put that in the stew somehow. Um, because, you know, that's, you know, I, I, I want to support a great song. And, you know, the solo is great. And it's a nice little deviation of that. But I don't live for the solo. You know, um, well, I live for the, the for the riff. <laughs> you definitely you know? made a name for yourself with the soloing on, like the soundtracks, the movie soundtracks. Because I want to be well, before I get into just, just the movie soundtracks, I want to just ask one or two things about uh, the other lead singers that you've worked with. Because obviously, Billy Idol's uh, the most well known partnership that you guys have had. But you've also uh, guested on Michael Jackson. With Michael Jackson, right. and, and yeah. there is a little story that I was sent, uh, a little question. Con- I don't know if it's a uh, um, sort of a controversy or just sort of a uh, conspiracy theory, but you, I need to clear it up because, or, or for this guy, he said that uh, you, you played on Dirty Diana, but right, and was there also Smooth Criminal as well? No. Okay, so not Smooth Criminal. Yes, Dirty Diana, and there was some sort of rumor that you had met Eddie Van Halen and he had said that he never got paid for beat it. Is um, that true? Well, I, yeah, I mean, I knew Ed before I, I did the Michael Jackson thing. No. And, um, and the connection was, I was signed to, to Warner's by uh, Ted Templeman. Oh, wow. And, and um, so Quincy, the story I got was that Quincy Jones called up Ted and this is, you know, they're working on the follow up after, uh, you know, the, the, you know, which uh, one was it? Beat it. Yeah. So, yeah. so I'm on the bad record. So this is after thriller and, um, and, and, you know, obviously beat it was such a huge success. And so Quincy calls up Ted and goes, we got another rock track and we need a guitar player. Obviously we can't do it with Eddie again. We, who, who do you suggest? And Ted graciously uh, suggested me, we had been meeting and had become friends and would hang out and listen to record. Ted, Ted is one of the, coolest record people that I have ever met. And uh, he suggested me. So I got a call from Quincy and um, I came out to, uh, to LA to do the, the track. Um, I didn't really know what do you charge? So I called that up and I said, what did you charge? And he said, man, 
I, I didn't charge anything. You know, Dave's mad at me, but you know, man, I can't, you can't put a price tag on it. He says, you know, I didn't write the song. Uh, I, you know, I played the solo on it and, you know, and <clears throat> so that's what I did. I didn't charge for it. I didn't feel, you know, I'm not a writer on it. And the, the, what it did for my career was worth more than any money. It, I yeah. It just blossomed everything. Now I'm not sure yeah. of that. Did that, open up the door for the Top Gun or was that after or was it around the same time? Um, Cause there's a lot of years in there where you're it was, just- okay. It was after. And, and man, I always tell people, you know, ne- you never know, say yes to everything. <laughs> so, so the way Top Gun came down was um, Keith Forsey's buddy who you, who he used to make records with uh, for Donna Summers was Harold Faltermeyer. So on Whiplash Mile, Harold came in to do the keyboards and we're working about the third day in, and he says, um, I'm working on this movie, Top Gun. Uh, uh, let me show you a clip. And this is the days of, you know, Betamax, you know. Of course. Puts, yeah, there, put, there, there's puts no the video in. Yeah, there's... <laughs> yeah, Puts the video in, and I, I go, I think I recognize that guy. Yes, uh, Tom Cruise from uh, Risky Business. Okay. Uh, and then he shows me the, okay. the aerial, aerial footage. Which now you look at it, it kind of looks like a p- little mini plane on the stick. But I think you can make. I think you make a bigger movie with your iPhone these days. Yeah, yeah. I mean, back <laughs> then it was like, wow, look at that. <laughs> so um, I said, yeah. You know, he says we've got this theme, and da da da. Would you like to do it? Absolutely. So I was already set up in the studio. We were already tracking. So uh, you just came. Oh, so it was just a, another session you know, for you. Yeah. At the end of the idle session, one day, uh, take tapes put put another reel on the machine and i think the whole thing took maybe two and a half hours and then yeah now uh, now they're making a remake of uh top gun have you been uh, has anyone reached out to you for that or do you think that's going to get all political um i met with harold in in munich when we were there and um he's they've brought him back uh in addition to uh hans zimmer to do the soundtrack. And from what I understand, they are using the original uh, theme for the, for the film by, might be remixed or whatever. And I'm, I'm really glad about that because I wouldn't have wanted to re- try and recreate something that, you know, was done what 35 years ago and we, we won a Grammy for it. It's right. such a, I don't want to touch that. You know, I no. mean, it's, it's sometimes like, it's, it's, it's hard. Like there's certain things you can't cover. You it's, it's hard to cover a Beatles song. Because who's right. going to do it better yeah. than the Beatles? And True. maybe a soundtrack that won you an, <laughs> you know, an yeah. Oscar. So I, I mean, yeah. It'd be, so so I'm more than happy that they're actually using the original. Some in some context, I don't know exactly how. Not, not a lot of people know, uh, but you also did music for the movie Speed right around the same time. Sandra Bullock, right? <laughs> We did, yeah, we yeah. did. Billy and I did the the title track for Speed. Yeah, I love it, love it, yeah. man. I, yeah. See, I like talking about all these old stories because right now it gives us a little bit of relief because I know there's a lot of people self quarantining. They're doing the right thing. They're self quarantined. They're yeah. hanging out, but there's something about a live conversation or you know that that you're a part of right now that it it doesn't beat uh, it, it beats watching Netflix. Like, like maybe after our talk and people are watching this, maybe they will go watch Top Gun and they'll listen to the, the soundtrack and they'll have a, a right. new appreciation for it. 
But right. you know, I, I just want to move on a little bit to your solo stuff, and and because the flamenco guitar work, I think a lot of the guitarists, that, at least that are on the chat listening to, they know uh, just how good you are. Maybe some of the people that know you from Billy don't know about the flamenco side as you. What is your approach when you come to a solo record? Do you say, okay, this record, I'm going to go more of a rock vibe, or this one's going to be flamenco, this, or do I blend them all together? Right. Um, the, the way that that record came about was I had, you know, had done the record with Vince Neil, and uh, we were out on a out on a road with um, Van Halen. And during the course of, you know, we, we, we opened for Van Halen and I'm like, the last thing I'm going to do is go out there and do an electric guitar solo because <laughs> in about an hour, Eddie's going to come out and play Eruption. <laughs> and it'd be like, yeah, I move along. Yeah. So I had started on flamenco guitar. It was the first the first teacher that ever really meant, you know, that I really, really was passionate about uh, was uh a guy named Nicholas Zaninovich, and he had, he was a Romanian gypsy. He had escaped the Nazis in the Second World War with only his guitar, and he put everything... I mean, the minute this guy picked up the guitar, you almost cried because his soul was transmitted through his fingers. It's incredible. And I, I said, I don't know what this music is, but I want to learn it, you know? Were, um, was, were you like Steve Martin in The Jerk? <laughs> This is my music. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish. I, I wish it was that easy. But, but cut. Uh, so cut later. And, you know, after the Van Halen thing, it was kind of the height of the excesses in every which way. I oh. couldn't play any louder. Couldn't play any faster. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so it was time to kind of like reassess what I was doing. And um, and I went to see Paco de la Cia at the Wilton Theater. It's 3000 people and people are dancing and their women are, you know, like getting emotional over music. And I'm, I'm like, it's on such a high technical level and females like it and everybody likes it because it's beautiful. It's not just, you know, you don't feel like this scorecards being held up after he does a flurry of notes or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I just like went, wow, you know, there's a way for me to do something technically flash but still entertain people who maybe don't give a crap whether I'm playing guitar or whatever. Um, so I decided to do, uh, you know, to put away my electric guitar for a year and do this flamenco based record, which took me from France uh, for, to, uh, I worked with people in Bordeaux in London in Tokyo. And I mean, all I did was bring my guitar around the world with me and felt like I really felt connected to, being a guitarist and not the excesses of, you know, I just get on a train and go and work with somebody. And, and I finished mixing the record in Hawaii and it was the most fitting, stress-free. It's one of the few records of mine that I've played on that I can listen to and, and really enjoy. Most of it is, is you know what it's like. You know, I, you think you've, I remember going to your place years ago. And you play me a couple of these. I, I don't. They might have been the demos for this, or they might have ended up being might have the, probably. You know, and I just remember sitting back, going, "Man, this is a, a completely different side of Steve Stevens that people are going to uh, check out and see." Because you know, at the end of the day, most of uh, the people that have listened to you with Billy Idol, they know you as a gunslinger, and you have. Um, I love the fact that you've always been sort of a Marshall type player. I know you play Marshalls, but you have a lot of new equipment. You always are kind of you've been you've been playing with Boss Effects. I know for many years sure. back in. Yeah. But what 
currently because I just saw you. I think I just saw you a couple like, years yeah. ago at a, at a festival or something. I was like, right. what yeah. is that sound that he's getting? So maybe without spilling all the beans, maybe give some of the you know guitar geek of, in me a little bit of the secrets of what you're playing these days as far as guitars and amps. Sure. Um, you know, my older marshals are just not roadworthy and, and, and even things like the you know some of them the, the recording marshals i have are from the late 60s and i've had to have filter caps replaced and things like that they're just not ro- roadworthy um so probably about 20 years ago i hooked up with dave friedman who was uh just doing effects boards and things like that i had one of those i'm i'm guilty of having one of those massive rack <laughs> you're the reason <laughs> why i, I, I a nuclear a reactor board. On yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so, but it did, it, you know, it did everything, but you kind of lost the original guitar tone with, you know, people were, we were still experimenting in the eighties with that. So Dave helped me kind of, you know, get back to maybe this, the original sounds. And I gave him my original Marshall that I'd re- that basically it's one amp that's on Top Gun and uh, with Les Smile and the Michael Jackson. Uh, so you track. have that special. Is that, is that one? Cause I, I have a Marshall JCM 800. That's kind of my go-to that's been on almost every record that I've played on. And it's a, yeah, it's, it's a JCM 800. Yeah. This is an old plexi and it's, you know, you got to turn it all the way up to, you know, it's the thing is loud as hell, but, but it moves there. Um, it moves it there. does. <laughs> it, it does. And it, and it records really well and takes pedals. Great. But anyway, so, Dave said, uh, you know, why don't we try and clone that amp and, you know, and put in a master volume so it doesn't have to be on 11 and all, <clears throat> which was what we did. And eventually, uh, you know, over the years, Dave refined his amp making and then started his own company. And then uh, I have a signature amp. We're actually coming out with version two of, of the amp that, that, that uh, is a little bit series. more. Okay. Yeah, it does it does a little bit more. It's got he's got a very cool feature happening in in his amps where on a foot switch there's a separate master and a separate gain which are linked together. So uh, if you go to a solo, not only do you get a little bit more saturation, not distortion, but saturation, yeah. but it also the amp gets louder. So you really are like you know. Your sound man is. You don't need a sound man. You're your own sound Uh, man at that point. You have your own boost, and this time everybody can hear you. In the mix, yeah. Yeah, You're in the mix. Um, I love it. Well, what about um, what what about guitars? As far as because I know you know part of the reason why we've all I've had this kinship with you is is we're I've been a Les Paul guy. We're both kind of that humbucker style. You know, I well, you know total transparency back in the day uh i had an ex-girlfriend buy me a guitar she went you know it's not ever a good idea when 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 girlfriends (laughs) want to buy you an instrument because they're walking ducks when they go they're sitting ducks when they go into the music store because like bam line them up shoot them down because they're gonna get the most you know ripped off ever so girlfriends out there don't buy your guy a guitar unless you've cleared it exactly what guitar it is. So, so I think she bought me at first a flying V that was one of those V twos that had the weird, uh, uh, pickups that were like heart shaped oh, pickups. Sure. It looked, it looked more like a coffee table, basically. <laughs> yeah. but then I asked them to, uh, I, I go, is it okay if I just maybe return it and get something I want? And it, and there was a Hamer Steve okay. Stevens model. 
right? Okay. Or, or something right. that you you put because back in the day, I know you had a you had a Hamer model, but we did. Um, we and, did. And, and then that got me down the whole you know humbucker world, and then I went to Les Pauls, but. What is your current guitar that you're playing? Because I see a lot of pictures. I'm, I'm on the internet uh, looking for good pictures for our ad. And I'm like, right. what is this guitar? Tell me more about it. Um, it's an, the company is called Nags. And Joe Nags, unbeknown to me, um, in the 90s, I was playing a PRS guitar that I loved, a single cut, a McCarty, actually, McCarty single cut. And I loved the guitar and toured in Japan for a couple of years with it. Um, and I wasn't looking for a guitar endorsement, but I got a call from Peter Wolf, who was uh, the, one of the main uh, distributors and artist reps uh, at Hamer back in the day. And he said, I'm working on you know, a new guitar line with a guy named Joe Nags, who built your uh, PRS. He was the head of the custom shop. So I said, send me a couple of guitars. I'm not really looking for an endorsement right now. I'm happy with what I'm playing. Sent me a couple of guitars. I said, yeah. Yeah, they're close, but not really, you know, what I was looking for. He said, well, what do you want? We'll build you anything you want. And I said, anything? He goes, there's nothing we won't do for you. And at that point, I realized, you know, I had basically my own guitar company to build me my dream guitar, which they did. And and, um, and it's an American – I was very adamant that it was an American company. It's a handmade instrument. Um, nice. It's, you know, it's a high-end instrument that, you know, uh, it, 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 I'm so – I'm not – you know, it's great that, it, that, that I have a guitar that, that I'm comfortable with, but I'm really proud of the company. It's grown. They're really good people. Um, the initial guitar uh, – uh, 10% of what went to music cares for our proceeds. And, um, and now they've, you know, they've expanded and they're doing, you know, I mean, it's a very hard thing to have. A, you know, there's only 15 people at the company. It's very hard to keep an American handmade guitar company afloat and they've managed to do it. And, um, and they're just, you know, uh, if I have a question about something or need something, you know, I pick up the phone and I call the guy who's actually making the guitar. Well, when we so, do the rebroadcast of this, I'll, I'll slap the, uh, I'll slap the website on there for sure. And I was just reminded, yes, uh, there's a lot of girlfriends that know equipment. <laughs> yes, you are right. I'm sorry about that. And there's a lot of boyfriends that buy their girlfriend's equipment it's, to, it's to, a, to play. As, and here's the deal. Partly responsible for that is the guitarist that I play with, Nita Strauss, of inspiring yeah. a whole new wave of, of female guitarists as well. So, yeah, uh, you know what? It's, it's, the, it's the old school in me that just sort of, uh, yeah, I, sometimes I forget it's 2020. It's like, oh, what? What do you mean? What do you mean? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, girlfriends and boyfriends, you, whatever you are. Just, just, <laughs> just, just make sure you talk to the significant other about what guitar they want before they go and get it. So, hey, sure. currently, uh, Steve, because I know that you're just wrapped up this. Uh, it, was it more of a residency acoustic or residency electric or both? No, it was full on, full on. Full yeah. on we sure. had, yeah, Billy and I did a, a series of uh, unplugged shows, but mainly that came about to promote his book uh we would go and play for the publisher or whatever and then we decided to like bring that bring that aspect of it out and we did a, a series of shows that were uh really unplugged just he and i on stage but uh gave gave the real billy idol fans a, an opportunity to hear 
the stories behind the songs and stuff. It sounded amazing. Um, Actually, I, I was, it was really fun. A, a lot of the stuff that was online and it sounded really good. I think I even, I think I DM'd you and let's say, what the, how the hell did you get that acoustic sound? And then you just sort of went into a little bit of a math equation. There was a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, so you, you have Billy, uh, and the, all the classic songs, with uh, Idol and that whole tour, whether it's acoustic or electric, but you also right. have a new band, uh, Deadland Ritual. Sure, now, yeah. Is, and, and you know what? What really sucks right now is that we have all these things going on, and pretty much for the next two months, the biggest things that are going to be being created, I think, are babies and podcasts. So <laughs> until we can get back out there and start right. playing our rock and roll, I want to hear, and I think people do uh, that are watching on the stream, they want to hear about this new band that you have. And and I, I know who the guys are in it, but maybe better if you explain it. Yeah. Um, Frankie Perez is the singer. And, uh, you know, he's he's been a friend of mine for probably about 15 years. And I always felt that, uh, you know, he, He's kind of the uh, the uh, unknown of the of the band. Well, more unknown, but known to you know us musicians. And I just felt he always needed the right, just the right partners and the right uh, vehicle. Uh, Geezer Butler from Sabbath is the bass player. Legend. Who's, yeah, totally. Who's in, and it's Ryan. It's incredible to actually. I mean, I I got goosebumps the first day we were, you know, in in rehearsal and to hear my guitar against that bass sound. And, yeah. You know, it's it's one thing to be a bass player, but it's it's another thing for me to hear against a sound that I grew up with as a kid. He has a very identifiable sound. I, I had that same know. experience with Dennis Dunaway playing. You know, in when you when he comes up and guests with Alice, right. which, he, which right. he does a couple times a tour at least. It's just you know, there's a difference. There is a difference right. when the guy who recorded on the track right. is playing right. that part, and right. uh, yeah, and I I get you with with the bass player thing because his yeah. his bass playing, you don't realize it until you're actually playing with him. That is a big sound of the Alice Cooper band, right? You know, so yeah. and, and yeah, obviously exactly. he was a big sound of, of Sabbath. So yeah, so that. You know, so he's and uh, Matt Sorum is Matt drummer, on drums. You know, we've all known, and that's that. Yeah, we. I mean, the for all intents and purposes, all the material was written, and we were in the process of negotiating a deal until <laughs> the world stopped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now the world stopped. Is is yeah. you know is is everything postponed or yeah. canceled? I want to look at cup is half full or wine glass postponed. half full. Postponed. Postponed. Good. Yeah. Postponed always better than yeah. than completely canceled. You know. Yeah. I mean, the the first inkling that we got is, um, and I'm sure you do these as well. There's, you know, we do corporate shows, and uh, I had about six corporate shows canceled in two days, and yeah. I went, uh oh, something's going on. You know, Something's this up. is, you know, yeah. yeah. And um, so right now we're in, you know, we're in a holding pattern. But you know, it's a great way for me to kind of just hunker down, make sure we have the songs that we need, write some new things, see what It see looks what like you've got a nice is. laboratory in back of you. you know? I've had this studio for a while, and it's, you know, it's a demo studio. I, I, you know, it's a small little room. I'm Your demos here. sound like records. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> I use GarageBand. You want to hear a real demo? Listen to one of mine. <laughs> but, but, hey, but, <laughs> hey all, of my, all of my tunes start on a little, you know, on my iPhone. You know, yeah. sit down and write a riff. And if is it, it's, is it memos? Know. What do you, which which yeah. app do you use for that? Yeah, I memos. Use, yeah. Exactly. 
There's a one called, uh, it's not GarageBand, but there's a an actual Apple app that has like sort of a, you can have a drum, you can just place the drum beat and it actually finds out the strumming pattern and it'll put oh, like sure. a mock drum thing. And when I find it, or maybe we'll put it again as one of the overlays uh, when we do the rebroadcast. But yeah, there, it does always sound, good songs I think start with just an idea. It has to start somewhere yeah. and it can be put on memos it can be put on i mean a yeah. lot of people ask me is it is it the riff that comes first or is it the catchphrase like some of those classic idol songs for instance who would come to who with what there I, you know i wish there was a a a blueprint because <laughs> we we would have had a lot more hits <laughs> but there was never a blueprint there was always we would you use the expression jaw came down which is you know God would come down and just give us, give us the tune. And, and uh, uh, a perfect example was, uh, you know, Eyes Without a Face. I was living in my parents' basement in Kew Gardens, and the only radio station I could get was CBS FM. <laughs> and, um, and that's the oldie see. station, right? Yeah. So they'd be playing these oldies, you know, da 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 da, da. And, um, and there was, like, some Frankie Valley things, and they have those uh, chord changes, you know, one, four, five, seven, those classic doo-wop things. And I kind of like went, oh, wow, you know, I'm taking around. And I kind of took the chords and made them major seventh, minor seventh, gave them a little bit of a darker feel to it. And we were in writing. We were in rehearsals for to write for the follow-up to the first album, which eventually became Revelio. And uh, I said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm strumming these chords. And Billy walks in, hey, what's that? I, go, I don't know. It's like some, you know, old-timey chords, you know. And he pulls out of his backpack lyrics he was always writing lyrics and uh and he said I, th I think i got something that might fit that you know and it was eyes without a face and it, wow. it just kind of you know it was just like it just fit that's magic um, man that that's yeah the, that, and, and that's the magic of a good duo i mean i think that that's you know whether i had that experience for a short time for a short amount of albums with alice with uh uh, eyes of alice cooper and dirty diamonds we had that sort of right. uh, kinship he would walk he'd, he'd walk into the studio and say well today i kind of want to write a song about a a guy a trucker that wants to uh he's not gay but 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 he wants to dress in a, a wedding dress all the time and he, <laughs> and, and he likes to drive his truck in a wedding dress and that became the ballad of jesse jane or something you know uh, so you know it's just yeah. weird things that happen and then i was like okay well i think i got a riff like that i think i got a riff that could work for that yeah so that's, that's right really how it works well steve thank you so much for being on uh, in the trenches with ryan roxy um hopefully we can do it again if we're still hunk hopefully we're not hunkered down <laughs> yeah, right. but yeah if we still are, uh, maybe I can have you on again and we can dive a little bit more into that rabbit hole and uh, of that lovely thing we call the guitar. I actually brought my guitar today, but and I know you have yours as well, but maybe next time we'll dwell a little bit more into playing. But sure. uh, again, thanks for watching, people. Thanks for listening and uh, just keep on spreading the words. I think on Instagram, you're at Steve Stevens. Very easy to find, right? Right, yep. I'm at Ryan Roxy. Um, again, thank you for supporting all the musicians during this incredibly weird time. And again, Steve, thank you for coming on in the trenches. It's been my pleasure, Ryan. I've, I've been your friend and your 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 cheerleader for many years. <laughs> I, I saw you with Dad's Porno Mag, and I love the show. Ah man, yeah. I don't See, know if you remember. I came no, down. That yeah, was, at the Roxy, was, I believe it was. Yeah, was, yeah. Uh, it, yeah, was, it was it the Roxy? awesome band. Yeah. No, it was some club that I think was down on Beverly, but um, that was uh, uh, when um, 
what's his name was on drums. Uh, Mike Fasano. Mike Fasano. There and it is. Hawaii, we we oh, had oh, to get a Mike Fasano Mike yeah, reference in before the yeah. end of the interview. I was contractually yeah. obligated to do that. <laughs> so <laughs> thanks for listening. Great, next great time. songs. So there thanks, there bud. Really Thank good songs. All right. Well, we'll see you next time on In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy. In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy.